Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. My name is Dirk, I'm your host. As every week, it's uh, weekend 13 approaching. And if you have been unable to visit us in Fargo at the Civic Center last weekend, we had a really good turnout. We missed you, but we did not want to keep those live on stage programs from you. And uh, that's why we have a, uh, a many recordings which we want to share with you. And today you will be hearing Mike from La Cava kitesurfing in the Twin Cities. He has an amazing program. Um, amazing events and we sure hope to get him up here to our area sometime this year even to do like a kite surfing demonstration um, race all kinds of things gathering people who are interested to learn more about that and there is also Jeremy a previous guest from ours and partner that has been at our expo multiple times Jeremy has um, some news about hydroflight sports in the area so stay tuned to learn more about that coming up and we will also hopefully have some events with him throughout the summer in our area again so yeah I don't want to keep this much longer from this recording enjoy and if you want to find out what's going on in Lakes Country this weekend please go to our website lakelifeweekend.com and find daily updates news events stories road trips all kinds of things Follow our Instagram if you haven't, and if you don't mind, please rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to those recordings. That would help us get the word out. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you have any concerns, you can always email us to hello at lakelifeweekend.com. Have a great weekend. <laughs> I have with me here on stage uh, Mike from Minneapolis uh, with his uh, business La Cava. He does kite surfing and will give an introduction about that newer sport activity, outdoor activity. And then we have uh, with me here Jeremy um, and he does the hydro flight um, sport. It's all extreme sport to some people, me included. And I thought we just have each uh, introduce themselves a little bit and talk about uh, how it works, what it is, um, where it's from, and uh, I guess we don't know anything about um, kite surfing or hydroflighting, and then I'll give you, we can sit down too. Sounds okay. good. Yeah. Hi there. You got to hold it close. Ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, I contacted him two years ago already, and uh, I found you on that internet thing. And uh, I know in Europe, kite surfing is comparably more popular than in Minnesota, I guess. I remember that conversation <laughs> when we talked for the first time. Okay. You, you called, and yeah, you were very excited about wanting to introduce this to the Lakes area. And I think your idea, your vision, your uh, interest is fantastic. And I'm thank you. thankful for, for bringing me here. It took a long time, but yeah. thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you yeah, for coming. Yeah. And you're right. It is actually more uh, prevalent, more uh, general awareness of what kite surfing is. So kite surfing, snow kiting, how's the sound? Got to hold a little close. <coughs> a little close. Um, kite surfing, snow kiting, uh, more commonly people have seen kite surfing and less snow kiting, but we live in the Midwest. There is lots of snow here. So my business is year round. I've been fortunate to uh, do this since 2009 as a full-time job. Uh, so I have a store in the Twin Cities. I started kite surfing in 2004. And then um, I have a lesson program where I teach people how to do this. I have a sales program to help get you outfitted with gear. And then I try to make you come on trips with me around the world so we can go do this together. That's my job. So um, thinking of kite surfing, and we all know it as a kid, there's this, this little cord, yeah. or like this little device, and it's not very big and it's not very strong. So maybe you would tell us about the dynamics. It's, it's the device is sitting here. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, this is a small kite, and I know that you've got a couple of visuals to go through at some point too. But yeah, there's, there's bits and pieces to it. So in the wintertime, um, skis or ice skates or snowboard, whatever you like to do, control bar and lines. These lines wrapped on this bar are roughly 20 meters long. 20 meters, so I like that. 60 feet or so, because we all learned the uh, metric system, right? No? Um, there's a harness involved, and the harness takes the lion's portion of your pull. And so here's an event that just took place uh, March 2nd. This is specifically March 2nd, and we're on Lake Mille Lacs. And we're just, every year, 15 years in a row, next year will be 16 years of it. This is snow kiting with skis. You'll see people on snowboards. And we had roughly 60, 60 racers this year. Uh, but this is just one time where everybody chooses to get together and converge. But the idea is to get connected with the bar and lines, the harness, to the kite. Kite sizes vary. This one is really uh, good for kids and for um, super high winds that's on stage right here, this little yellow two and a half meter. What we're flying on these uh, kites, Jeremy, if I'm blocking you here, I don't know. Um, most of the people on that day, I think winds were somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, uh, 15 miles an hour with gusts to 22, 23. Um, we're on 15, 12, 13, 17 meter kites. And uh, the, the kites grab the wind, and then you lean against the wind and drive what's ever on your feet. So in the wintertime, this is snow kiting. And in the summertime, we do hydrofoils, surfboards, um, twin tips. There's a lot of ways to play. Um, you'll find that uh, I, I believe uh, this is an activity that is not age or gender specific, so it's for everybody. And it, I also uh, believe that it's less of a uh, investment. So the, the cost to get into it, roughly two to $3,000 um, to get the gear. You can totally try to beat that and get some barn fine deal, but kites are fabric. They're, they're, they're parachute pants from 1980 and stitched together. So all that stuff wears down and if you have a uh, hard top or a uh, soft top convertible or a uh, grill cover, uh, just any fabric outdoor, just know that it gets beat down. So 
be very careful, caveat emptor, buy beware when you buy used gear, unless you know the person. And I'll be happy to help you through the process uh, just as the business goes. But yeah, so grabbing the wind with the kite, put a kite up in the air and, and off you go. Off I go, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like maybe uh, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm getting always scared of things. I'm getting scared of breaking my bones and such. And uh, I see that you actually take off. And uh, the question is like, how high do you fly? And how hard do you fall? Like uh, I can see it in the open water way better than me on an icy lake. I uh, like smart. No, yeah, no. I, I've uh, been doing this since 2004. Um, I have uh, broken two ribs uh, off of one accident seven years into it, and I believe in being transparent because I am 50 years old. I have four daughters. My wife would kill me if I get hurt doing this stuff, not only as a career, but as a hobby. So I am more along the lines of uh, risk averse. So how do I enjoy it without getting hurt? Yes, you can jump, you can boost tremendous heights, and you could soar with these things. But these are all disciplines that you learn within it. So when you see it for the first time, I work really hard to not show the aerial side. So much so that when I started doing this, I told my wife, I, I have no interest in boosting. So if you haven't seen this, just the Dirk, right? Yeah. It, the, the heights that you can go are dangerous. Yeah. And you have to fly that kite while you're in the air. But when I uh, started doing this, I told my wife I don't have any interest in jumping because I honestly did not. I didn't lie to her. I, I was, was going to say, was it the truth? It was the, it was the, it was the <laughs> honest truth. I just wanted to, to sail. It looked incredibly peaceful, and I wanted to figure that out both on the snow and on the water. And after about two years, I felt confident enough for my skill set to start taking a jumping lesson. And I told my wife I was going to go take a jumping lesson. And that was two years after the fact I said I wouldn't. And as though I had just told her yesterday, she said, you said you weren't going to jump because she knows it can be dangerous. And it, and it can be, without a doubt. But, uh, so, um, but I love the aerial side. Uh, once you get into the air, uh, it's amazing. And then now adding uh, hydrofoil boards, like uh, air chair somebody said earlier, if you've ever seen these. Yep. Standing on top of that stuff, it's floating on a cloud. It's, uh, please talk to me more about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So d does your wife uh, fly and do any of your four daughters? So my wife and I have four daughters, yep. and my four kids do. My wife does not. Okay. She just doesn't grab her interest. Okay. It kind of works in my favor a little bit. <laughs> I do my best to even out uh, uh, that deal. But, no, my kids, uh, my 11-year-old's really starting to get um, almost to the point of being somewhat uh, commanding with the gear and the kite. Um, she's also uh, she's in uh, volleyball right now this season in the Twin Cities. It's year-round, and so she's cautious about not getting hurt there. But uh, uh, my 9-year-old nine, says that she can do it, but she really can't. Uh, she flies a trainer kite, so those are another nice way to get started. Um, and then my twin 20-year-olds, they're uh, not as afflicted with the interest as I am, and I, I'm careful as a father to not push it on them, but they know how to do it. And uh, matter of fact, we just talked this morning about taking a trip uh, with uh, the twins that are coming up on spring break. So Okay. Yeah. So my, my wife, no. 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 How many... Um, uh, Flyers, how many come to that event you said? Was so it that one, this time we were somewhere around the neighborhood of 60 or so kiters. 60. 
but but on onlookers, we probably had about 150 in the town of Garrison oh yeah. uh, on Malax, so not too far from here. That's um, a number. And Malax is a fantastic location to do this. Matter of fact, you guys have really good lakes close by, so access for you is not a problem. Yeah. Uh, Midwest winds, if you get to travel around the world a little bit, you'll discover the winds are punchy um, here versus smooth and clean, steady like a fan uh, winds, which are nice for manipulating the, uh, the kite. But, um, oh, here they are punchy? Here they're punchy. They're a little, it's, uh, it's Midwest, so we have interrupted winds. We have changes like just inland weather conditions uh -huh. is what, what affects it. So you see it a but lot. But not coastal. Coastal yeah. areas, they have more trade winds, and that's where visibly it's more popular. Here in, in this area, and again, from the Twin Cities, we have 10,000 riding locations. And you're asking me, how come more people don't do it? Well, actually, there's a lot of people that do it. You just don't ever see it because they're somewhere. They're on Upper Cormorant. They're on, um, well, what are your lakes around here? What, where yeah, do Otter they go Tail to? Lake. Otter uh, Tail, yeah, Otter Tail, Alexandria, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. okay. About, you say Long Lake, you hit about 50,000 lakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pelican, Brown, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. true. Well, yeah. I'm really excited. I hope to get uh, a uh, live event sometime established where we can try it or see it uh, on like a big cormorant on Otter Lake. So I hope uh, maybe even this year we will get you up uh, and have a, an, a live event. I'm working hard on that still. I, I would like that. It... it um, it, it really makes more sense when we're with kites ready to go. Yeah. And uh, it would be wonderful if, if we could make it go. happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 and uh, the season's in transition right now. So we're just finishing winter season. So snow kiting and uh, ice kiting, all that stuff is, I think, probably up here. We could probably go. Uh, I know the winds are up tomorrow. Actually, I was looking at the forecast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'll be here. Um, here you guys can still kite a bit. You can kite on land if you want to as well. But the lakes are starting to deteriorate, so it's becoming less and less safe. But um, happy to talk to you guys more. Thank you uh, again so much for having me yeah. and being persistent and, yeah. and uh, getting me up here. Uh, in the Twin Cities, uh, if, uh, if you're ever getting down there, um, I'll, I will coordinate events with places like Otter Tail Lake, but it's just a, a coordinated effort. Um, to, to get going, but um, certainly please do stop into the booth over here with the big tall yellow flags. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, and say hello. Yeah. Please. Thank okay. you, Mike, yes. for the intro. Thank you. Um, Thank you. If you yeah. So Jeremy was with us uh, in one of our podcast recordings uh, last year. Um, I've seen him live. I actually, I tried uh, hydroflighting already a couple times uh, as a thank you for my interview. You took me out one night uh, with yes. your family and your your private teat like your your group so uh, i know it's fairly easy i'm of course a, a natural right yeah you I did uh, you did awesome i was up in the air <laughs> and it was fun it was really fun yeah you were um, getting you were definitely getting high i and i was I, in, a, in the right context yeah 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 exactly but i was a little scared uh, um he controlled the height uh, with your um uh, not snowmobile uh, jet ski, jet ski sorry yep. they're all foreign objects to me um <laughs> so uh, you can maybe introduce a little bit uh, the concept and then i know you have an announcement for the local area about hydroflighting but maybe give a brief introduction about the sport too and yeah uh, yeah absolutely Jeremy. uh 
Thanks again, Mike. Uh, we, I look forward to flying with you in any device we can announce to the world. Nice. I'd love to fly. So I'm Jeremy Walker. Uh, also, uh, I, I fly airplanes as well. It's kind of my passion is, is I love to be in the air. Uh, I don't like to fall so much, um, but uh, we can go over that uh, through my accident record later. Um, so this is, uh, I'm Hyderflight Lake Life. I uh, started this company about, uh, roughly been doing this about six to seven years. Um, uh, the basic concept of this is, is I'm just taking water propulsion from a jet ski. I'm going to put it in a hose, four and a half inch diameter. I'm going to shoot it out the bottom of my feet. Now basically all I'm using is, is the, the power and pressure of water pressure, which is the most dynamic, unique element in our world. I mean, this thing is, it's, water is amazing. It's the most unique thing you could ever imagine. Just look it up. Water is crazy. It defies all logic of common sense. Anyway, I take that and I just use that to power myself up with my feet to control my direction. Um, and then there's, there's other devices. That's why Hydroflight kind of just went from flyboarding up to a jetpack. Uh, it started with the jetpack where you can come off your shoulders, control it with your arms. So that, that's kind of like a harness situation like you're sitting in a jet. From there, uh, there's another thing called the hoverboard where you're kind of sitting on a, on a snowboard style thing and it shoots out the back and uh, you're able to kind of skate through the sky with, with the direction of how you're running the nose of that board. So Hydroflight really has evolved into several different opportunities. There's like a motorcycle looking device called the JetLove. There's new fly ride which is, looks like a jet ski you can fly. So you're going to see a lot of these things start to come out of the woodworks in the next five to ten years. And they're safer than pulling somebody behind a boat in any, like a tube, skis, wakeboard, because you don't have that upper body pulling on the forces of that momentum of the boat. Now we're just going to use that, and your body is naturally going to want to direct where you're going. So the flyboard from nine years old all the way up to 90, I mean, everybody flies. I've done well over two to 3,000 people in these past few years, and... Uh, I've had two people that didn't fly, and that was usually a medical thing with their ankle, or it was uh, one, one guy had really high anxiety and could not get over the water and having his feet strapped in, so he felt really uh, isolated. But that was the only two uh, experiences I've had, because uh, I never give up on anybody. So I guarantee you're going to fly because I, I kind of see what you're doing. So the majority of my job is, is just to talk away that stress, that, that angst of, of, oh my gosh, what is this? I'm, I feel like I'm Houdini. I'm, my feet are tied to this unit, and this guy just pushed me in the water. Am I going to drown? Um, but that's not the case. Uh, actually, the power just comes to your feet right away once you feel it, like Dirk can, can test. It's yeah, you kind of sit in the water. And you have a helmet. I think I had a helmet on. Yeah. 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 You have so a you helmet. Save yep. with the helmet, and then you just elevate it like a like is like a elevator. Yeah. Like a exactly. Way. Just like standing on an elevator. Right. You have just have to balance. Yeah. And, and we have waterproof devices, so I basically am right in your ear the whole time. Oh yeah, you're uh, talking. That was always that was comforting. Yeah. So I can walk through. I can see what your body language is doing. Um, everybody looks at this and thinks, "Wow, I'll never be able to do that." It looks like it's super balanced and. Uh, it's just way too too crazy. I don't want. I'm afraid of heights. But really, once you realize more power is more stability, 
you wanted more power. Yeah, so that is the interesting part. And tell us a little bit more about how you navigate this unit because you have a hose that is 40, 50 feet long and then you can actually take direction. Yes. Are you supposed to do an S circle or like talk about what do you do then once you're in the air? Okay, so I'll just walk through the whole concept. You go out there, you really got to think of the ball and chain effect. The uh, ball is the jet ski, it's a weight. The hose is your chain. Now, all the power is actually coming out of the feet, not the jet ski. The jet ski is just a water pump. So now it's just dead weight to you. So you want to pull it. So once you get the momentum of the jet ski starting to move through the water, you want to just keep ahead of it. Like you're, uh, I like to say a snake in the grass, but let's keep the context on the reel. Um, you're just kind of, you have to move around. If you cross the hose, you'll kink the hose. So you got to think of that concept. That's usually the main thing I try to get people. Don't cut in front of the jet ski because you realize that jet ski is going to follow everywhere that line of hose is going where you've flown. So if you immediately cross that like you're tying a shoelace, well, now you're going to kink the hose, you're going to lose the power, and you'll come back down to the water. So that concept usually kind of starts to kick in. Once you fly and you get to look back and see where your hose is in the water, then people get it because when you don't see it and you're, you got your feet underwater and you got the hose underwater and they're trying to figure out why is the jet ski way over there and oh my gosh, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, you just lost power. Don't cross the hose. You know, kind of like the Ghostbusters, don't cross the streams kind of thing. <laughs> so that kind of deal is, is how that works. And, so I wanted to uh, take this sport to a different level. Um, so for the last two years, I've been working on a concept design to create indoor arena flyboarding. I want to bring this to every arena Olympic-sized pool in the United States, and nobody's done it yet. So I've just made some recent connections to a local aquatic center that just opened up here in West Fargo. And I've reached out to the filtration and pump design system and we are working on research and development for the first uh, aquatic indoor flyboarding for kids swimming right here in West Fargo. So I'm hoping there's a huge campaign. We will be the first in Fargo in the country to have an indoor flyboard arena. And you hook the hose up to a gigantic water hose in the middle of the pool or how does that work? Yep, so what I did is increase safety all the way around the deal. I took the fly, I took the jet ski out of the equation. Now we don't have something to land on. I took that out and I put that hose attachment and that pump and I'm going to take all the back pressure that's coming out of the drain of the pool which is in the center of the pool and I'm going to take that water and I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to have that where I can have a variable speed from 380 gallons per minute all the way up to 980 gallons per minute. I'm going to be able to fly 35 feet to the center of the pool and I'm never going to be able to hit either side of the pool. So now there's nothing that you would ever fall on. There's no extra dangers and, and what, what I'm doing is I'm creating this to, to basically I'm working to bring aquatics back in children's lives because a lot of aquatics are suffering because kids are afraid to swim. If you look at the numbers of how many drownings happen a year because kids don't know how to swim these days 
And it, I know that sounds a little bizarre, but if you do the research, I don't like spitting out statistics because then I start it, then it takes long hair. I'm supposed to be kind of a surfer, dude, you know what I mean? But the point is, is that there is a lot of people all across the United States that are very neglected from the swimming lessons as young children. And it's a big push all across the nation to get people to learn how to swim for their own safety. Mm -hmm. So uh, going back to, let's say they can they have a West, vest and anyways. Uh, yeah, we would still we would still add the the vest would yeah. be part of it and the helmet would still be part yeah. of the uh, the equation. But we would be eliminating a lot of safety features or safety factors that are an issue today with the insurance companies. So uh, it it really just it changes flyboarding from a oh my gosh I'm going to land on the jet ski which I'm not going to say I have right now but we're going to we'll talk about my experiences later. So when I'm up in the air I mean like uh, I can be standing straight up but I have seen pictures and they do tricks too. So they do loopings, they yep. they do sidekicks. So what can I do once I'm up? Once you're up you're so now just last year the officially We have now committed to front flips as well. So we've had a double front flip by Guerrera. We've had uh, quadruple back flips, um, you know, which means it's limitless. Uh, we usually fly at about 70 feet in the air. Um, I do design, uh, I design a lot of the choreography for dance routines on the flyboard where we do the night shows. And if you look at my booth, you'll see or our website, you'll see we do a lot of laser lights on our wet, on our wetsuits, and then we do music routines. Um, so the the sky's the limit with this, with entertainment between Olympic uh, meets, with swim meets. Uh, we really want to boost fly, not just flyboarding, but the hydroflight devices um, to bring, like I said, not just aquatics, but also flight, because at some point we're gonna our children need to learn how to swim, but some point I feel like we're not going to be driving on roads. Our kids are going to be flying their cars. <laughs> Back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the one thing you organized a few years back in Detroit Lakes was a night show. And I yes. think you're hoping to get that off the ground once again. And that was a choreographed, like it was, can you explain that in a brief moment? Yeah. Like so back in 2016, I had, LA, yeah. Yeah, it's like a circuit delay uh, show. Um, it's kind of crazy. We had about six to seven hundred people show up with uh, only two weeks to put this together. Um, I had three of the top riders in the world, Jesse and Caleb Gavick, along with TJ Andrews, who was uh, number one in the world for a year. Uh, those three came out to to do a dance routine for me and the the crowd in DL, and we had a blast doing it. A um, couple of malfunctions, but I think it all turned out pretty good. Uh, we got no f video footage of it. We I was had just going to say, is there a YouTube video? I saw a video. <laughs> you have a video. Well, I have a video of 2014. I did it with oh. Jesse and Caleb Gavick in 2014 as well. Um, and that video turned out really well. Um, but we lost all the footage on the 2016 show uh, due to some camera issues. So, um, But stay tuned. We'd like to work out a big uh, show here coming up. Uh, this winter, as long as I can get into the arena and we get the prototype working by this coming winter, uh, we will be doing indoor arena flyboard shows where we're going to be doing shutting down the lights, 
Uh, we'll have uh, a lot of the local swim teams from high schools will be coming in, uh, decked out in glow-in-the-dark uh, light stuff on their bodies, and then we're going to have them do high dives into the pool while we're doing a uh, routine. Oh, and then we will film it. Yes, and, and we will definitely be posting that on our on our sites, and we'll film this one. And uh, but we really are really excited to, to announce this year is my main thing, is is really expanding hydroflight to the world. I mean, this this sport has been so limited to the coastal regions. Um, for like you say, the trade winds over on the coastal is a lot better than having a lot of ground effect with the winds around here. So. It changes the dynamic of how stable the environment is for what you're doing. Here, if we can only fly for, what do we get? We're only open 55 to 70 days a year because of the quality of the water and the quality of the weather for our business. So, yeah, we don't do this very often this year, and that's our summer days. We are lake life living. So we've got a very short spurt of it. But we wanted to take, I wanted to take this to a different level. I want people to fly all year round. And I want those those kids that missed out on the summer lake time, I want them to come to the local aquatic center and learn how to flyboard for not even a fraction of the cost of what it is when they're out there at a resort and they got to pay top dollar. And, you know, it's all about sharing this experience with everybody and giving everybody the opportunity to use this as a learning lesson and an accomplishment. Because I think that swimming is is uh, important. I think aquatics is important. And I think lake life is very important. <laughs> I agree. Thank you very much both for coming. You both have a booth down here. If you want to learn more about uh, either sport, you can uh, visit with them. And uh, I think you can book uh, classes with both. So um, if you are interested, visit them. Thank you very much for coming up. Thank you. Have a good evening, Lake Life. Nice to meet you, Jeremy. Thank you, Dirk. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh -huh.